Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Oh, sorry. It's hard to pick up on the subtlety of your wit. Mother asked you to tell your brother that he has a beautiful body. That is so stupid. Lindsay, tell him. I'm Trisha Bobita. I'm Greta Johnson. And this is the Nerdette Podcast. Coming up, we've got some voicemails from some lovely fangirl moments from those of you listeners out there. And fanboys. And fanboys. But first, we're going to hear from Tavi Gevinson. Tavi is the editor and founder of RookieMag.com. It's a site for teenage girls, and much of what you read there and see there is made by teenage girls. It's a lovely place on the internet, another safe space for nerding out. What I love about Tavi is that she is celebrating both being smart and being cool in a really beautiful way. Tavi is one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. I don't like to play that up in opposition to her age because I think that sells a lot of other really brilliant teenagers short. So let me just say she's not just one of the smartest teenagers I've ever talked to. She's one of the smartest people I've ever talked to. We were joined in this conversation by Nerdette contributor Lauren Chuljan, who has nerded out about Tavi for a long time. She even showed me that she has emails from 2010 when she emailed Tavi about something she wrote on her blog. And you'll hear a little bit more about how that played out in this interview with me, Tavi, and Lauren. So what are you obsessed with right now? I just did the thing where you take music from your friend's computer. So I my sister came home and I was like, gimme. So I guess lately I've been obsessed with and listening to Watch the Throne a lot, Jay-Z and Kanye, and then the live Talking Heads Stop Making Sense recording. You know how sometimes you go through phases where sometimes you're like, I can't make anything right now, but I can watch stuff and be obsessed with stuff and totally. nerd out at stuff. So sometimes I'm in those phases and then sometimes I'm just really productive. So lately I've just been more doing stuff. It's good to have time to just watch movies and listen to music and get inspired. But at the moment, I'm like on a treadmill. Do you do the thing where it's, I'm obsessed with this Beyonce song, I'm going to listen to it 45 times? Mm. Or do you do, like, I do really love this, I'm going to listen to it start to finish, and then I'm leaving it for a little while? Every phase, I'll make myself a playlist. And sometimes there's a full album. Like, my current one has the complete new Beyonce album in it. I mean, whose doesn't? Right. Yeah, it's kind of perfect. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) When an album first comes out, I try to listen the whole way through, and then... I kind of have a moment with each song. And then there are always a couple you never really get to. But like with the Beyonce one, like every song I've had a moment with. I know Trisha brought up fangirling, but for those who don't know, can you explain the philosophy behind what that means to you? Sure. There's that Neil Gaiman speech, Make Good Art, where he's like, this thing happened to you. Make good art. Your cat got hit by a truck. Make good art. Husband runs off with a politician. Make good art. Leg crushed and then eaten by a mutated boa constrictor. Make good art. 
IRS on your trail, make good art. Cat exploded, make good art. Someone on the internet thinks what you're doing is stupid or evil or it's all been done before, make good art. That's great, but that also puts a lot of pressure on your life unless you have had these amazing experiences and unless you have been able to make art out of them. It's like they're not really valid. And I think because for me, I've been blogging since I was 11, creating has just been part of my constant every day in some form or another. So when I feel like I'm not able to do something with something that happened in my life. It just feels like, oh, I was sad for nothing. (laughs) You forget to like learn from your experiences and they don't have to be a means to an end. The end being an art and EGOT. So with no offense to Neil Gaiman, I gave a talk that was just about how sometimes you don't have to make good art. You can fangirl and nerd out. That can be just as satisfying like times when I've been really down in the dumps. Sometimes it's just more satisfying to write down someone else's lyrics and to try and write your own and it doesn't mean that you're unoriginal or uncreative it just is another way to feel connected to people feel less alone in a hard time and I also think that there's what they call the anxiety of influence which for people who have grown up with the internet is especially a thing because all of your references are right there they're all traceable It's just hard to be original, whatever. So my thing with fangirling and how you can translate it to making art once you get to that is that instead of trying to be like, I can't make anything original, I need to go into the woods and erase all of my influences and just make something completely pure, that's impossible. You can't deny the stuff that shaped you. So I think you can make your fangirling a part of your work. Like, I wrote this 4,000-word piece about Taylor Swift for The Believer, but it didn't feel like music journalism. It felt like a personal essay for me, and that was about using her music to get to this place instead of trying to think of my emotions purely on their own. I think about the aesthetic... And sensibility of Rookie being, it's okay to love something with your whole heart and then in two years be like, what? I was obsessed with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garden State came out when I was 16. Right. And I went with my very best friend in the world, who's still my best friend, Uh and my mom, and we had to find the one artiest of the theaters in my Midwestern town to find it because it wasn't playing anywhere else. And it changed my life. What are you listening to? The Shins. You know them? No. You gotta hear this one song. It'll change your life, I swear. Oh, I'm sorry. You have to, uh, you gotta fill out your forms. Conundrum. Think you could, uh, maybe listen yeah, while I think you could? I can handle it. Yeah, okay. And the sentence, Garden State changed my life, gets an eye roll in every room, right? Right, Like People are always going to give you grief about that. But at that moment, that movie totally Totally. meant something. I mean, reading Catcher in the Rye when you're 16 is different than when you do it when you're 30, right? Right. And Garden State was like that for me. And so I love Rookie because it's like, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a big part of growing up. But I think as I'm growing up, realizing it's also just part of being a person, that you can have these moments with a friend or a piece of culture and even if later it doesn't 
resonate in the same way. There is still a lot of truth to what you felt at the time. There's just so much joy in the shared experience. Yeah. When you're like, oh, this, I died for this. And then you're like, mm. oh, you feel the same way. I mean, that's yeah. when I, mm. no joke, Tavi, I emailed you and you emailed me back, which oh, is yeah. so weird. <laughs> so, it's so <laughs> funny. So glad you said that because a lot of times people will be like, I emailed you, but you never wrote back. And I just feel really bad. No, I mean, I expected you to not write back because uh, at this I'm point you had back. kind of exploded and... Where I found Rookie, it was like 2010, when Jane Magazine was a big thing. Right. I subscribed to it, and I had every issue, and I think that's what I wrote to you about. I was like, oh, cool. I also feel the void of an actual magazine I can tap into. Uh-huh. So for me, your blog was like, oh my gosh, someone else feels the same way. Like, there isn't a good medium-level magazine that I feel like is approachable, mm-hmm still is into fashion, but is not totally ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's a total point of bonding. There's an interview with Roger Ebert, I think it's Terry Gross, and she's like, why do people get so offended when you don't like a movie that they liked? It's not personal. And he's like, but it is, it is personal. This is part of who we are. It's like there's two things you can do instead of just make good art, which can be really intimidating. You can either fangirl and just be really happy because you're like, okay, I can't be Joni Mitchell, but I can relate to Joni Mitchell. Or you can make something about Joni Mitchell's art, and that can be just as satisfying. And that's also why people write off music critics or anyone who chooses writing about culture as a job because they think, oh, they're just mad because they're not an actor, their band sucked, or this is just like the angry writer getting revenge because deep down they wish that they were that famous person. Right. But actually, a lot of people realize early on that they are more content as observers and then they choose that as a career and they're totally happy with it and they don't wish they were the ones on stage. Music is a part of everything. TV is important. When people say, I don't watch TV, I just sort of roll my eyes at them because saying out of hand that the medium that connects more... Americans than any other has no value is not a starting point for a conversation. That's silly. And it doesn't make you like an intellectual. Right. It means that you're simplifying it. (laughs) I just can't stand hearing someone say, when you kind of have a critique of a band or whatever, and someone's like, why can't we just enjoy it? I think to most artists, they want you to have criticism and have different reactions. If they didn't want to see a bunch of different reactions, they would make it just for themselves. I don't put stuff out into the world just for myself. I don't, like, create just for myself because then I would do that. I want feedback and funny comments and criticism, and I think most people are flattered when you're picking apart their work, even if you maybe have something negative to say. How do you strike that balance? Because this always reminds me of the scene in Portlandia where Carrie and Fred are looking at pictures. I should take those down. Really? Mm -hmm. Everyone on the internet... They're not having as great a time as you think they are. I guess people are just cropping out all the sadness. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, I always wonder how you balance what you're going to share about your life. I do think about that. And I have a private Instagram. And it's not like a Hannah Montana thing where it's like... (laughs) Good, because that's not a good... Or Sasha Fierce. Come on. I want to keep the Beyonce thing. (laughs) (laughs) On the note of Sasha Fierce, in a recent interview... When the album came out, someone was like, who is Yonsei? <laughs> and she was like, she was like, by now, Yonsei, Sasha Fierce, it's all me. And I was just listening to an interview, the podcast Long Form. Yeah. With uh, mm-hmm. George Saunders. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about how 
as he's become more comfortable with himself, the gap between the values that are just sort of embedded in his writing, the gap between those values and then his values as a person has gotten smaller. And so I think for me, the gap is really small. And I just, it's not like I have a a private Instagram or I keep a diary because I'm like, I have, you know, a secret life or whatever. It's just that some things I just want to keep to myself. And I think there's still a value, even in this age of publish everything immediately, there's still a value to have an experience, document it for yourself, give yourself a little time to breathe and reflect on it, and then produce a piece of work about it. Exactly. The thing about using your fangirling to make something new when you're creating with Rookie, with the books, you know, the whole thing is really collaged and homemade and I understand people's frustration when they see what I'm doing and they're like oh she hasn't paid her dues but I also think the goal is to get to a place where we can all create what we want to and I don't think I should have had to work at a shitty internship at a magazine that I don't like before I could have a voice that being said I can afford to do my own thing because I live with my parents and I'm a teenager but I think the dream ultimately is for there to not have to be a ladder. And I'm just glad that with Rookie, we can judge people's work based on purely their work. Each month of the site and then in the book is a different theme. And each theme has a really differently defined aesthetic. And a big part of making them all feel different and making the book feel like it's a new book every 30 pages was utilizing our collaging and fangirling and like organizing it all and making different moods for each of them and part of that is also that I just wanted the book to look more like zines and diaries and the kinds of like what we make for ourselves when we feel like our story isn't being told in the mainstream. With reading your early blog stuff it was like you saw a void and there needed to be a space for this certain kind of teenager or like this certain kind of person in general. Yeah. And I feel like you guys have really filled it with the work that you do. But do you feel like there's been other things spawning off of Rookie or people being inspired by Rookie that have created a bigger space for that? Or do you think there's still more room for growth? When the idea started to come about, I was in eighth grade, so the end of middle school. I had just found out about Riot Girl, and I was really obsessed with you know, sassy and freaks and geeks and my so-called life and these things that were too pure for this world why does she hang out with those guys i don't know why don't you go over there and ask her they're gonna ruin her life if you don't care about high school and you won't get into a good college and no future and you'll wind up dead or in jail really you asleep during scared straight the world wasn't ready to accommodate them and so they ended far too soon and i also was obsessed with this john waters interview where he's like There used to be beatniks and then hippies and then punk and then grunge and now there's nothing. You have to go create it. And I was like, yeah. And then as I've grown as a person and realized I love pop music and I love TV, a counterculture comes out of people being dissatisfied with mainstream culture. What if instead we can make mainstream culture more inclusive? The lines are just so much more blurred because of the internet. I mean, I consider rookie mainstream. I think what's hard for older mainstream media to understand sometimes is that 
gatekeepers have kind of gone away and now yeah. we have curators. That's a great way of putting it. And, and I think that no one knows how to handle that yet. Yeah. Because Rookie can curate an idea or a sensibility or an aesthetic or a tone and it can include all forms of media. Before you couldn't do, you were either a record label or you were a magazine or you were one thing at a time, mm-hmm. right? And now because of the internet, you can say, this is my universe Mm-hmm. And if you like it, come along, and I might join yours, too. Totally. Even looking at someone like Lord, It makes me happy that she is so popular because something has just happened in these past few years where I don't want there to be a counterculture. I want mainstream culture to just be great and varied and for people to not even really care about it since because of the internet, you can really pick and choose what you look at and care about and listen to. And... I think that has kind of created a space for people to be more accommodating. I just read this Beyonce thing where she said, I have no desire for someone else's throne. And right now I am wearing a shirt that says coming for your job. And it's like the (laughs) rookie staff uniform of 2014. You know, I want to help all of our staffers take other people's jobs, but I don't actually want to be an editor at a different magazine or something. I like being able to run my own be in control and have created my own outlet and be my own boss. My friends and I, we've cracked the code. We count our dollars on the train to the party. It is amazing to me that in this time and space, Lord did astronomically well. Totally. But maybe five years ago, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I think five years ago, she would be really popular on Tumblr. And that's one reason why so much of the writing about her is frustrating to me because people do try to act like she's at a Grimes or like Sky Ferreira level. And and obviously I don't say this to like pit them against each other. I'm just trying to find reference points. But in fact, you know, she just won two Grammys and she was nominated for four. And yeah. she was, I'm pretty sure I might be wrong on this, but I believe Royals was at number one for longer than any other song in 2013. So to write about her as if she's niche when she's actually huge, it's just underestimating her power and then also the capacity of lots of different kinds of people to relate to it. I think a lot of music journalists, men, (laughs) see see her as like, oh, she's weird. She's like the weird girl in the back of the class. So only girls who are smart and weird relate to her. And it's like, actually... Everyone at my school loves her, and they play lacrosse and are, you know, not alternative. When I interviewed her, I really tried to bring that out and to say, actually, she's a pop star. And we'll never be royal. It's a one in our blood. That kind of love's just ain't for us. We crave a different kind of buzz. Let me be your ruler. Many thanks to Tavi Gevinson for talking with us. You can find links to some of our favorite things from Rookie Mag, including the printed versions of Rookie called Rookie Yearbook 1 and Rookie Yearbook 2 at nerdatpodcast.com.
Now we get to hear from some of you. You called us and left us voicemails about some of your best fangasm moments. And as Tavi uses fangirling as a verb, we use nerd as a verb. So these are the things that you all can't get enough of. Hi, this is Rachel Altman calling, and I'm calling about my biggest nerd out moment. So a few years ago, um, some of my friends and I decided, made a rational choice to become Prince fans. And at this moment, we all decided to pick Prince nicknames. So my Prince nickname is Rachel Black Sweat Altman. My friend Justin is Justin Seduction 747 Constantino. My friend Joe is Joe Weekend Lover Heather. And my friend Carolyn is Carolyn Little Red Corvette Durant. Those are all either Prince songs or Prince lyrics. So in addition to picking our Prince nickname, we then threw a Prince party and everything was purple, purple drinks, purple fruit, purple food, purple. Everyone had to wear purple and everyone did wear purple and we only played Prince music And we had Purple Rain, the movie, playing the whole time. And since then, there have been two Prince parties, um, all purpled out, all Prince, all everything. And three of the four of us of the original Prince Club member have seen Prince live. And I was very tempted to storm the stage, but I didn't because I was afraid I would get arrested. One thing I really loved in 2013 was Instagram. Um, I found it to be the best nerdy community to nerd out with like-minded people. Um, Quite a bit of an introvert, and I found Instagram to be an incredible way to share my nerdy passions for eco-dying, eco-printing, knitting, spinning, and all sorts of weird, nerdy things that I love. Instagram, best site for nerdy introverts ever. Hi, Greta and Trisha. I recommend uh, reading about Hypatia, and she was around um, in Alexandria in Egypt, And she was a female mathematician and a professor and basically the only woman with such a high station at that time. There is a movie based on her life or some later events of her life starring Rachel Wise. It's called Agora. I'm pretty sure you can find it on Netflix, but don't quote me on that. So, yeah, you should watch Agora with Rachel Wise. All right. Bye-bye. Hi, my name is Gina Black, and I'm pretty sure that everyone has known someone like me in their lives. I am a total horse nerd. The first picture that I ever drew was of a horse with 16 legs. I have a whole collection of my little ponies still above my desk right now. I worked my buns off when I was a kid so that I could save up enough money to buy a horse, which I actually did, which unfortunately died six months later on St. Valentine's Day. I can still to this day draw an entire horse skeleton from memory. I pretty much have every Kentucky Derby winner committed to memory. You want to know something about horses? I've got about probably 200 examples of it in my apartment. Okay, horse nerd.
Love the show. Hi, Trisha and Greta. I'm here to share my fangasm moments. I guess my first real Uber involvement was a few years ago. I finally watched uh, Xeno Warrior Princess. After goading and goading by quite a group of friends, and oh my gosh, my world shifted on its axis after I watched Xena. <laughs> and I know it's campy and cheesy, but that's exactly why I love it. And Lucy Lawless and Renee O'Connor do an epic job. You know what I like about voicemails, Greta? What's that, Trisha? They basically are the listeners giving us homework, and I love getting homework. So I'm really excited to check out some of the things that they mentioned. Absolutely. If you want to call us and give us some more homework, please do. 312-600-5638. How did you and I get matched up? I made 26 profiles, each designed to attract a different type of girl. Tom A. Haverford, sporty and sexy. Tom B. Haverford, smooth and soulful. Which letter did you get? N. Tom N. Haverford. <laughs> the N stands for nerd. I never even checked that one because no one ever responds to it. Okay, well, whatever. Tom N. Haverford collects globes. Great, that's enough. His favorite movie is books. Next week is Valentine's Day, and we don't want to do the traditional Candy Hearts, giant teddy bear sort of story for you, but we do want to hear some shout-outs to the great nerd loves in your life. Call us and tell us what song you want to dedicate to the nerd love of your life and tell us who or what that is. So this could be to a significant other, to your best friend who was the one who introduced you to something beautiful like Battlestar Galactica, or it could be to Battlestar Galactica. We will take requests for love songs to any love of your life as long as it's nerdy. Call us 312-600-5638. And now it's time for homework. Our first piece of homework for you this week is to check out The Poisoner's Handbook. It's by Deborah Bloom, and she's a wonderful, science-y, journalism-y nerd. We'll be talking with her as part of our Valentine's Day episode, but here's just a little bit of the conversation to give you an idea. I called it The Poisoner's Handbook because it's both the story of these two crusading early 20th century scientists who are trying to figure out how to solve poison murders and threats. But it's a handbook of poisons. So it's also the story of poisons from arsenic to thallium to mercury. And when you start looking at the story of those poisons, many of them, and this would be true today as well, were sort of compounds that we cheerfully mix into our everyday lives. Thanks to Deborah Bloom. We'll hear more from her soon on the Nerd App Podcast. And I think this is a first for us, Greta. We now have homework from someone who still does homework. In between running her amazing DIY lady nerd empire that is Rookie Mag, Tavi's still in high school. She has AP classes and stuff. She's a senior. She has homework. And I think that's why she took such great pleasure in giving you all some. The Rookie staff, we all did New Year's resolutions. And what we call it, Uber List. Nice. So it feels less like eat, pray, love. And um, <laughs> I know resolutions aren't for everyone. I never did it before this year because I was like, it gives me anxiety and it's too much pressure, whatever. But I have found that it is extremely motivating. It's a combination of things, of stuff I want to do with Rookie, creative maintenance things that I have to do for myself, like keeping up a diary, just fun things like finding a, thinking of a good phrase for a nameplate necklace and getting it and ordering it. And also it helps you break big goals down into little ones. So instead of just saying, I want to be published in this place. Instead, my goals are like, write the pitch, email it. I've found it to be such a helpful way to get things done. And also, it helps you 
not have FOMO, fear of missing out, because you have this list. So at all times, it's like maybe you're jealous or you feel left out whatever, and, like, you look on Instagram and see other people who look like they're having more fun, but at all times you have a list right there of things that you know are important to you. And so lately I just feel like I'm not jealous because I have my own shit going on and my yeah. own stuff to do, and that's a really good feeling. Thanks to Tavi Gavinson for that homework and for talking with us. And, of course, the other piece of homework is to check out RookieMag.com and get a copy of Rookie Yearbook 1 and 2 and give them to the teenagers in your life. Heck, get one for yourself. We're all teenagers somehow, right? And Rookie is full of empowering, authentic messages for teenage girls by teenage girls. Check it out. You can find links to everything at nerdatpodcast.com. You know what else you can find at nerdatpodcast.com? What, Trisha? Merch. Merch? That's right. We got mugs. We got hats. We got uh, Kindle sleeves. You got a Kindle? Put it in a Nerdat Kindle sleeve. Do you want wine charms? We have wine charms. I do need some wine charms. I think you do need a Nerdat wine charm. I think everyone needs one. You can find all that at nerdatpodcast.com slash shop. It's a cafe press store. It's really easy. You click, you order, they send you stuff, and a little bit of the price of the item comes back into our pocket and helps us make this show. So thank you for buying a t-shirt or a mug or a dog flask. We don't have dog flasks. Wait, do we have dog flasks? I mean, we have mini flasks. We have dog shirts. Yes, that's what it is. Dog shirts. (laughs) All right, that's it for today. Thanks to our contributor, Lauren Chuljan, for joining us. Thanks also to Tavi Gavinson. We wish her all the best. She's amazing. And thanks to Joe Dassault for his production help. Thanks to our home stations, WBEZ and WCQS. Thanks to you for listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Throw us some stars in the iTunes store if you're feeling generous. Our theme music is New Old Toys by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.